When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The New York City Football Club has seven games left to salvage the playoffs in 2023, and they're going to have to do it without Maxi Morales. We've got that and a whole lot more on NYCFC Views. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. NYCFC Views. Collins approaches the shot, and New York City! Wins the first MLS Cup on their first try. And they're going crazy. Tiretino y gol. Gol. New York City is el campeón de Major League Soccer. The sickest New York City FC podcast. It's going to be sick. Andres Cantor has nothing on you, Roberto Abramowitz. <laughs> There's Roberto. I'm glad yeah, he does. He has a much bigger contract. Trust me. He yeah. makes a lot more money than I do. <laughs> well, everybody should go on and listen to his latest call of Messi scoring for uh, Argentina during this international break. Right. Yep. So we haven't been we haven't been up to training, so we don't have a real uh, thorough update on the team. But it's certainly something to talk about. But before we get started, Roberto. Yeah. I am, um, and you're going to laugh at me uh, because. No. Yes, you will. Uh, I suppose I should have known this, but I'm at a I'm at a game the other day, a soccer game, uh, a collegiate soccer game, and uh, talking to a couple of parents uh, of youth players that were there, and they were telling me about how they have on their phones a tracking device for their sons and daughters, so that they know where they are at every minute of the day. And I, my initial response was, I'm appalled by that. I would never do that to my kid. But I, I bring it up uh, because I now am tracking my daughter, who's 25 years old. But that's because she's here. Sammy, put this photo up. Mount Fuji ah. in Japan. And what? So, yeah, she landed this morning and she's hiking right now. And... Uh, and I know exactly where she is because she allowed me, you know, because she's so far away, she's going to be on this mountain. She's with a friend, uh, but uh, I, I can see exactly where she is. So I am now tracking my daughter. But I thought, you know, I think this is a legitimate reason because, you know, she's up on a mountain across the other side of the world, you know. So I'm shocked that you haven't done this before. I mean, your kids are bigger than than my son, but my son's 17, and ever since he's had an iPhone, uh, I've been tracking exactly where he is all the time. I've that's been turned on. He knows it's turned on, and uh, you know, it's for two different purposes: one, to make sure he doesn't do anything stupid, and two, if something does happen, I know exactly where he is. And I can go and uh, and and do something. I understand needed. that part, but no, it's uh, I, I've, yeah, I've, I've done this all the time. We parent differently. I think it's important that kids do stupid things. That's what they learn. You learn from being. Oh, that's stupid. fine. Yeah. I right. I, I I don't disagree there, 
except that when they do do something really, really stupid, if they do, then you can go and uh, help get them out of a jam. Although yeah. if I have told them, I said, by the way, if you get arrested for something stupid and it is stupid, right, then, yeah, I'm, I'm not bailing you out. You can you can hang out. You can hang out until the next day. I ain't moving. So uh, he he knows. He knows that if it's if it's something legit, you know, that he you know, that that he gets screwed over by then, you know, and I'm there for him. But if he does go, let's say he does not that he does this or anything, but let's say he dumps uh, he jumps a, a turnstile or something like that and he gets caught and, and they wind up dragging him down. I'm like, you know what, dude, your problem, not mine. And uh, I'll, I'll take care of it in the morning. Have a good night's sleep in the tombs. Well, it's jumping a turnstile in New York City here in New Jersey, close to where I live. It might be hopping a fence and, you know, going onto somebody's yard that, where you're not allowed or something. You know, it'd be, be more you like hope that. that there are no Dobermans there. Yeah, Dobermans <laughs> that or... That you can't do anything about. Dobermans or, you know, who knows what people are uh, using to uh, protect their property these days. And, uh, well, it's all... Uh, I, I will tell you, I'm going to be turning it off when she comes back home. I'm not going to be tracking her. And imagine if somebody... I would love anyone in this audience who says, Glenn, you know, of course you want to know where your kids are. Did, would you want your parents to know where you were when you were 15 years old? Forget about it, man. I, I, I didn't have a problem, by the way. I would always tell them. I, I wasn't that kid. I wasn't that kid getting into trouble. I, I really was a goody two Oh, my God. Uh, you never wear shoes or get whatever. Yeah. You, never were, you never went anywhere. You never lied to your parents. You've never lied to your parents. No. That's no. crap. Everyone's lied Seriously, to their parents. No. No. I didn't have to. I okay. just, All just right. spoke with them honestly. All right. You're, now, you, you, were brought, you were brought up differently. You need to write and, a book, uh, Roberto. I, don't, I think you have a book of some sort out, but you need to write another one that um, focuses. No, it's John Rojas that has a book. You need to yes. write a book that focuses on I've never. And the title of the book should be I Never Lied to My Parents. And I'm telling you, you'll sell a lot of copies. <laughs> or either, well, either that is that, you know, one of the things that I did, and I've warned my son about this since he's three years old. Okay. And I said, I don't care what you do. I don't care how bad it is. I'll help you get out of that. We'll deal with that situation. If you lie to me about it, then you're going to be in huge trouble. And he always knows that the consequences for lying to me over something is a hell of a lot worse than anything he's going to do. And I've put that in him and I put, the fear of God, if you want to call it that, about lying to me since he's three. And uh, so far, so good. All right. Well, our new podcast. I haven't caught him yet. <laughs> the Sick Podcast, our new Sick Podcast coming out next week. Raising Parenting. Children. Yep, it's, uh, <laughs> lovely. But I guess we'll get back to New York City FC. Uh, it, just the awful news. And, you know, we both know him quite well. And um, you get an opportunity to speak to him a little bit more thoroughly because of the language barrier. But uh, Maxi Morales uh, with a torn ACL at 36. It's the older you are, the more difficult it is to recover. But he's he's very fit. He seems very determined. So no one's going to discount the possibility of Maxi coming back and performing next year. But what a uh, what an awful uh, bit of news uh, about a week ago. No, absolutely. I got a chance to chat with him uh, last week after it happened. And um, he said that it's going to be an eight to nine month process. When I spoke to you about it, you said it should take a little bit longer. We'll see, you know, what happens if it is the eight to nine month process. And then then at that point, he's got to start doing training camp. And so then what we're looking at probably end of March, beginning of April, 
uh, returned for him for his last year of his contract with New York City FC. Uh, that's the optimistic view. It could wind up being May or June um, if, if, if it's not optimistic. Yeah. And the reason I said, um, you know, we had a little exchange on that one, you and I, uh, the, the more modern approach, it seems to me, and this is in talking to um, physicians recently and surgeons, is it's more 10 to 12 months that they they want to be very secure uh, with the fact that it's uh, it's ready to go. And uh, I guess there's been enough instances or incidents where uh, the repeating uh, of the of the injury has occurred, where uh, it's just becoming a little bit more cautious. And we're talking professional athletes here. I'm not talking about you know you and me. I'm talking about people getting back on the playing field. Uh, uh, Rutgers University players just coming back. Uh, she's on ten months. So it, it used to be in that six to eight month, man, they'd really push it. So, uh, but, but Maxie, I, I'm telling you, being, a, you know, Maxie and I being a little shorter of frame, uh, you do recover from these things a little more quickly. You just do. You know, it's, it, it's for instance, uh, Eber had something sort of similar, probably not as severe as Maxie's actually, but, uh, and it took him a long time to, yeah. to get back. And uh, he was in and around the original schedule on the, on the latter side of the original schedule. But the, the, the difference that you notice is really the size of the legs. So I was always looking and we talked about it. He and I, the, the size of his leg that was injured versus the size, the size of the leg that wasn't injured. And it, it basically becomes muscle mass and how much muscle mass you lose and how much you can rebuild in that time. And there was, a, there was a difference that I would say was almost significant. So, um, yeah. you know, the thing is that Maxi's game isn't really about sprinting and, um, you know, and that and quickness. I mean, it, it it's not as much as you may have to be a forward that you have to react to something in the box or something like that. It's slightly different. So maybe he comes back a little bit quicker from all of this. Plus it's at personal time, right? Um, for some people recover quicker than others. And it just really yeah. depends upon your body. Well, I think he's more of a, a cutting type player, which to look at the flip side of that might make it even more difficult because you're doing those sharp uh, sudden turns, which is really critical to his game well however it goes for him is um you know we just hope uh, the surgery goes well as far as we know that hasn't even occurred yet so whenever this eight months and more cycle starts it uh, it starts upon surgery and the recovery will start right away so it, maxi was brought in we heard nick cushing say to both of us <coughs> excuse me roberto <coughs> but we heard that him say to up. i mean he'll be fine he'll be fine uh but nick told us that uh, remember how he said it, it was just Maxie's just going to play, you know, we're just putting him in there. You know, Maxie was going to be in there every game for the rest of the way to help guide this playoff possibility. And now he's not. There certainly are options, um, but I think they were really counting on his playmaking and his leadership. And and you, and you could see in the last game uh, against Vancouver and the game prior, uh, the – He's leading out there and he's turning yes. around and saying, why aren't you pressing with me? And, you know, there's you could just see it. You could see that it was important. Well, without a doubt. There. And it, it, it made the attack a little bit more concise, precise. Uh, 
more opportunities being being created. And uh, yeah, he's a maestro out there. He's he's a leader of the band. He's putting people in the right position. And uh, although he didn't have anything to do with the goal, it was a beautiful, perfect pass by Santi Rodriguez to Tomasus Bakrar. Uh, and he put it in, you know, he went five hole on it. Um, it was, you know, it was a nice goal. Too bad New York City couldn't hold the lead against Vancouver. They probably should have, but uh, they didn't. And so, um, you know, they put themselves in a position where it's still now tougher to get into the playoffs. But, you know, we keep on saying the same thing after every game, or at least I do. You know, you win your next game. And that's what they got to do. And the next game is the Hudson River Derby, September 16th, 3.30. Be there. Aloha at Yankee Stadium. And that's why you're going to... Uh... Not be happy when I, I tell you uh, on our next show what we're going to do. And I, we're going to do it. If you want to back off and just let me run the whole thing, that's fine. But we're going to look at every playoff possibility in terms of what the remaining schedule is for all the teams that are close to the playoffs. We're going to predict the, you know, how many points they'll get, you know, within a range. And then we'll see who's in the top nine based on what we predict. So you have to do a little homework. You got to see who's injured. You got to see who's playing. You have to do all this, Roberto. If you don't want to do it, I'll uh, we'll just go to a solo shot here, like a single shot, and I'll do it. I'll I'm gonna put make some graphs. Sammy is gonna uh, no no no, no no. What we'll do is that you can do all that. I'll stay here and I'll be like, uh huh, sure, okay, good, yeah, fine. I'll be the I'll be the public. I'll be I'll, I'll react. Well, you're the to one. All of you're it. the one that tells me I I you know I don't I'm not fun enough sometimes. Well, this is fun. It's a fun activity. <laughs> so let's let's do it. Oh, now, I'm happy I, that you're going to enjoy it. Now, I want to go back to something Nick said after uh, the last game. I think it was Michael Ander uh, from Blue City Radio who asked the question about consistency in the lineup. And I thought it was very interesting what Nick said. He goes, his, he said throughout his time as a head coach, so he's referring to Manchester City mostly, and then a little bit as an interim coach, he said he, he didn't do a lot of rotation. But he felt that this year, it, it looks like he's a coach that likes rotation because and you know, here, I mean, he didn't say it this way, but I'm going to say it this way. When you're not sure what you're going to get from a player game in and game out, it's very, very difficult. And I'd like you maybe to list or we'll list together, you know, who have been the players that you can count on game in and game out, whether it's, uh, it's not so much effort, but just effectiveness, um, you know, playing, you know, within whatever the game plan is. And uh, that's been the issue, and that's why he's had a rotation. So his point was, the question was asked about rotation. is like, well, this is like a game I didn't really rotate. I, I put Sandy Rodriguez in for Richie Ledesma, which is not that, that shocking. And then it was the rest of the 11. So he really, you know, rotation was not the word in this last game. And, right. um, you know, they got a result, but didn't get the result they wanted, really. Yeah, I mean, obviously they needed three points. And again, two, two more points wasted at home that they've lost at home, which is so unusual for this team because this is a team that has done extremely well uh, playing at Yankee Stadium or City Field or even Red Bull Arena. So to watch them, you know, not not just win almost by rote is, is, is sort of alarming in a way and interesting in a – in a weird way, they've only won six games all year long. And, you know, we're not used to this. Even back in 2015, it wasn't like this. Yeah. And it's just been a tough road. Um, and there is a lack of consistency. Who are the guys who have been there like every game? And you can really, you know, before, before um, Gabby Pereira left, 
right? I mean, the, the two guys who have been probably the most consistent all year long have been Tiago Martins and Keaton Parks. So the, the, those are guys that have been in that lineup in and out. And if, if you look throughout the year, I mean, they haven't been replaced unless they were injured or so, something something was off. But otherwise, I mean, they're there the whole time. Keaton Parks going into, you know, the last game was a, was the minutes leader in all of MLS. So you talk about consistency and you talk about somebody somebody who's uh, been there for the entire time. It's really been him and Tiago Martins isn't far behind. Yeah. So yeah, Parks is the uh, is is the one you point to as far as uh, you know the uh, the consistency. Martins too, and prior to Maxime Chanot's departure, I, I think you were getting you know a very consistent effort from him, game in and game out. But I'm almost talking from start of the season to now, and and I don't think you can go much past Parks or, or Martins to look for consistency. Pereira was your goal scorer. Uh, Sandy Rodriguez has not maybe reached the level that we had hoped this year also, but he's going to have to get back at it because it's either him or Ledesma in for Maxi now to, to try to run things out of the number 10. So, uh, I would imagine it's going to be Rodriguez. So here's a question for you. Do you give, I mean, obviously it really depends upon how they practice and we don't get to see practice more than once a week. And this week we're only going to get it. We're not getting to see practice at all. We won't see it till next week, but, uh, it, do you at some point try to put Tyler's Magno back on left wing and say, hey, you're probably our most talented player. Let's put you back in a position that you played well at last year, and let's see if we can get something out of you there. Which means, by the way, benching Ledesma and putting Santi back at the 10. Yeah. I wouldn't be shocked because you've got all this time now uh, uh, in between games to to sort Tylus out, to, to see how it's going in training. And I would imagine what happens in training. And uh, we don't know. Um, I tried to ask this question, too, whether uh, there's been any sort of a friendly played or uh, outside of an interest squad, you know, just to help, you know, keep some sort of a rhythm, but also see, you know, how people like a Magno um, are going to respond. So I, I think that's um, – I think it's very possible and, uh, and maybe the right thing to do, Roberto, you know, depending on how – everything's uh, gone with him. And uh, you you put something up, and then I put it up uh, on our pregame live before the Vancouver game about Tylus, you know, smiling and hugging Monsef Bakrar, a really nice picture of him after a game that he didn't even participate in. And, uh, you know, I thought that was, uh, you know, I thought that was significant, you know, because you just, you want him to be a good teammate despite the fact it's been a really difficult year for him. It, it has. And let's remember, it wasn't that long ago where he had a difficult week of training, if we want to put it that way. And uh, he was left out of the 20 for the game against Philadelphia. And he was sitting in the stands in that game yeah. and, uh, you know, and rooting on the team. So and then after that, he practiced very well. And then he got himself back into the 20. But uh, what used to be the 18 before the five lineup changes and all of that. But, um, you know, he's your most talented player, most likely. And so you've got to give him, hopefully, a chance to find his game. And uh, if he does, then maybe New York City's attack becomes a little bit deadlier as opposed to the one game, one goal a game that they're averaging right now, which is significantly lower than in their best years when Tati, when Tati Castellanos was around. 
So there was an article published, uh, I think it was MLSsoccer.com. The author was Larry Henry Jr. And it was about MLS and ex-pro guys who might be promoted to the first team before the end of the season. And one guy that was listed was M.D. Myers, who is on New York City FC2. He uh, was at, in preseason uh, with the senior team, but then was released, then signed with the two team, and now is the leading scorer in MLS Next Pro with 17 goals. Let's, uh, Sammy, throw up his uh, transfer market statistics here. And this is kind of what he's done this year. Uh, as they play Columbus on a Friday night, we're recording this on Friday. So there's a big game for New York City, too, tonight also there just below the uh, the playoff line. But uh, there you see some of the things. 17 goals, four assists in, in 25 games. That's 21 goal contributions, almost won a game. And uh, so, yeah, and he's played almost 100% of the minutes, so he's durable. And you can see he's part of uh, over a third or a third of all the goals scored by NYCFC2. Um, but uh, in my response to Larry Henry Jr., unless he's talked to Nick Cushing and David Lee, and unless Nick Cushing has had a bit of a change of heart, because earlier yeah. in the year, he, it just wasn't a consideration. And that's before Monsef Bakrar arrived. That's when there wasn't a striker. And Gabe Siegel, who's now gone, uh, and right. he'll get to a Israel. chance to to play some minutes in Israel. And, you know, it's just, it's my response to uh, Larry Henry is it's not going to happen. Probably. Unless something has changed. Unless, right. Unless something has changed, because now we've got to look at the team. Gabe, Gabe Siegel has been sent to Israel, right? So now he's on loan over there. So now you don't have a backup striker again. So yeah, you know, that's and right. does New York. And so does New York City, do you give him a chance? I mean, at this point, what do you have to lose? The guy's scoring 17 goals. Maybe there, maybe there's something there that uh, that can help. I remember that when we went to the coaches' convention and I wound up hanging out like all day long with uh, Paul Caligiuri, and Paul Caligiuri knew M.D. Myers um, very, very well, and he could not stop singing the praises. And then I went up to Nick, and I was like, oh, I was with uh, – I was with Paul Caligiuri, and he's like really high on MD Myers. And I, yeah, we just caught him. And I'm like, oh God, <laughs> okay, fine. But they re-signed him, put it on a, a NYCFC two, and look, scoring 17 goals there. I mean, why not give him a chance? I mean, maybe he's not going to be the guy who uh, goes in for a Monsef Bakrar, you know, and takes that position away from him. But maybe you know, maybe he's somebody who could come off the bench and actually do something. Maybe yeah. he's learned a lot within these past, uh, I guess, you know, few months that he's been with the team. I guess they just whatever they saw in preseason didn't uh, think that you know he was ready. And you know, look, you evaluate somebody through the course of a season. You know, the thing about him is that he scores wherever he goes. Can I tell you a quick Caligiri story? First of all, not every, yeah. maybe not everybody in the uh, listening or watching knows who Paul Caligiri is. That's very possible, but he scored the. Uh, Goal heard round the world. He scored the goal at, at Trinidad and Tobago uh, that put the U.S. men in 1990. Well, the, the goal was scored in 89 in qualifiers, but they made the World Cup in 90, 1990 for the first time in 40 years. And it was, so it was such a landmark moment. And it also helped uh, the U.S. become hosts in 94 and then build, and then eventually lead to Major League Soccer. Yeah. Uh, so the most it, important goal ever scored for the United States, and, and I'll he, and I'll still hold that. 
Well, uh, the story continues, though, because I was invited. You'd love this. I was invited to do an ODP camp in Hawaii okay. by a guy named George Kuntz. Yeah, I know. And I said, uh, yeah, <laughs> I got paid. I got everything. I got expenses paid for. It was like it was the greatest uh, job assignment ever. But so I, this is a totally true story. So I'm checking in at the hotel, Roberto. And I'm, I'm there, and they say the room number. I say my name, the room number, and I've got, I've got my bags and everything. And also, I get a tap on the shoulder, and I turn around. Now, I know Paul Caligiri. He doesn't know me for nothing. And he, uh, he, he goes, you're Glenn? I go, yeah, you're my roommate. I said, yes. He goes, put your stuff away upstairs. Put your bathing trunks on. We're going snorkeling. I, I, I kid you not. And we've been brothers ever since. So when you bring up Paul, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm so fond of him. And uh, that was, uh, we just, we just snorkeled all week before we, uh, there's this place called Hanoma Bay in Oahu. I, I, I got to go back someday because uh, it was just ridiculous. But anyway, that's my, I'm that's sure he's, he's, he's such a quality guy, such a good guy. And uh, I'm really, really happy that it's him who has scored the most important goal in the history of the United States national team, because good guys deserve good things. And he's one of them. And you probably talked to JB Della camera, who's on the call and just the primitive setup for that broadcast. And yeah, kind of had the, you know, they weren't even sure if the, they were going to get on the air and, you know, the, the, the electricity wasn't working and we've been there. Just, we did that in Guatemala. Well, that's true. We were, <laughs> we had our own, uh, yeah, our own experience with that. Yes, my my, my little my, my iPhone uh, setting up as a hotspot got us on for the second half of that game. Unbelievable. MLS schedule. There's five <laughs> games during the international break. Uh, I always international break. Yeah. yeah, international break, including Inter Miami. They've got half their team on international uh, duty, but they do have Sergi Busquets still. They still have Jordi Alba, and now there's this. This whole thing with uh, Lionel Messi, uh, who at the top we talked about, he scored this. Uh, well, we didn't really describe, but it's a wonderful free kick goal to give uh, Argentina a 1-0 win over Ecuador. Happened in the 78th minute, so it's late in the game. But he took himself out of the game in the 89th minute, Roberto. So the um, – the and he and the word is, is that he was fatigued. Uh, but there's also a quote out there. I don't know where all this came from, that he said to somebody that he felt something. So now everybody's uh -oh. freaking out, you know, so uh, who knows? But there's also this, they play Bolivia next at 11,000 feet. So it's very difficult to breathe. Messi played there once and, and was puking on the sideline during the course of the game. But this might be the chance to bring him back. And maybe he plays a little bit uh, in this in this match against Sporting KC. I don't, it's probably not going to happen, but. I don't um, think I, I think he's mid, totally missing this match. Either way, I mean he's played an incredible amount of minutes in a very short period of time. Let's remember he's 36 years old. He's not exactly a spring chicken, and he didn't really have much of a preseason. He had like a 10-day preseason. And for him to be able to do what he's doing, and it's not only in MLS, but now he's done it at the World Cup qualifier level, right? Uh is just absolutely, absolutely amazing. And um so, you know, you want to conserve him. You got to give him a break. 
and we'll, we'll see what happens. It's not going to be an easy game for Inter-Miami and Sporting KC. Alan Polito is doing very well for Sporting KC. They're fighting also to maintain themselves in a playoff spot. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, but it's going to be a pretty interesting game. By the way, they're also missing uh, Benja Kremaski because Kremaski is with the United States national team. So he's a dual national that is being now courted by the U.S. national team, where he's playing now, and he's also being courted by the Argentine national team. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens. Greg Berhalter and the U.S. national team setup have been very, very good about convincing doing nationals to continue playing with the United States. They don't lose many players. Very, they don't lose many players once they have a chance to uh, get them. So we're going to see what happens if he plays, how he plays. And um, it's going to be very, very interesting to see if with that they can convince him to stick around uh, with the U.S. Because if he does, I mean, it gives a lot more depth and quality depth to the right wing on the U.S. national team behind Wea, maybe behind Reyna, depending depending how you want to set it up, because it could be Wea, it could be Reyna. I mean, you still maybe still considering Paul Ariola, Jordan Morris uh, into that situation. You could switch Polisic over to there and then use somebody else on the left wing, like Brendan Aronson. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, and this is really good. There is a lot of flexibility, all right, within the U.S. national team setup, right, as far as all those front players, they all play multiple positions and can play them well. So uh, Greg Berhalter, um, you know, has an interesting setup for, for that. Well, my opinion is Kramaski is not nearly ready uh, to have him in campus to get him to you know see the environment. And who knows if he'll yeah. ever be who knows if he'll ever be part of the full team on, on either side. I, I think. I think his value right now is overstated. I, he's a good player. I mean, I, you know, we've watched him, you know, uh, watched him quite a bit uh, recently because everybody's watching the uh, the uh, Inter-Miami games. But the, a bigger loss is Diego Gomez. A bigger loss is Joseph Martinez. I mean, those guys aren't available for Inter-Miami either. And uh, so <clears throat> that's uh, Saturday night at 8.30. Uh, the U.S. men are also playing Saturday night uh, against Uzbekistan, as uh, Roberto was talking about. 5.30 um, game. 5.30 I Eastern? Believe. Is that right? I think it's 5.30 Eastern, that game, unless I looked at it wrong and it was 5.30 Pacific or something, but I think it's 5.30 Eastern. All right, Roberto, let's uh, go kicking it around. I want to be a lobbyist. That's how I'm going to start this one off. <laughs> How's that so, kicking uh, it around, by the way? Pardon? How's that kicking it around? That's still NYCFC. No, it's it's another subject area. Are you kidding? And stop questioning what I'm doing with kicking it around, would you? Uh, God. No. You didn't ask me about this. Fine. Let's go. Well, you'll, you'll know because you know these things. I have to tell you, Roberto, and at my age, you, <laughs> you figure he must know what a lobbyist is and does, but... I didn't because I've just ignored it all my life. I don't really care. Oh, but then that's I, a mistake. <laughs> then I read this. I read this story by Andrew Lee with Hudson River Blue. They're they're doing a great job covering a lot of different things. Yes, and they are. it was this very detailed look about how the lobbyists have worked, but more specifically, have been paid in regard to this uh, soccer specific stadium monthly stipends of twenty grand. You know, you got to register with the state to be a to be a lobbyist. So CFG and NYCFC, according to Andrew in this story, have spent three point two five million dollars 
lobbying local officials and politicians for this soccer stadium. And that's since the, the franchise was born in 2013. And But I, I thought the more intriguing part of the story was the fact that they're paying lobbyists more. Those CFG in New York City are paying lobbyists more now than they were before the stadium was announced. So here was the quote. Let's, let's put this up and people that are watching maybe can read through this. New York City has spent years playing the New York government lobbying game and don't appear to be slowing down now that the Willits Point Stadium plans have been announced. The opposite appears true as the team increases its spending on lobbying and brings new fir for firms with favorable political alignments into the fold as the city's complex fraught land approval process still looms as a hurdle to clear. Well written by uh, Andrew. Yeah. So, uh, That's so important. It's, yeah, so we it's know key. that. Yeah. Because the, the point is, is that so, so they, they've done most of the hard work, but now you got to push the project over the line. The Erlap situation is very, very important. you got to make sure that everybody is aligned on this and that you get favorable, uh, that you're in good favor and good stead with local business, obviously with the local politicians and uh, community leaders. You've got to be in good stead. And so this is where you're using lobbyists to make sure that you stay that way, but also that you do a lot of work on the ground to make sure that they view you in a, fa in a favorable way. So yeah. one of the things that was written there and it was very interesting is how, for instance, the U.S. Open is being played virtually in the same area as where the stadium is being built, yet there are very few benefits that the Queens community is getting. So people are commuting from Manhattan into the stadium and then back to Manhattan. And so like all the restaurants in uh, Jackson Avenue there, or Jackson Heights, rather, Roosevelt Avenue, uh, aren't benefiting as much as you know they, they would like to. Although the tennis tournament is a billion dollar business for New York City for the two weeks and change that it's here in New York City. I mean, that, that is amazing. Uh, what, what kind of benefit that the, uh, the, city, the city gets. So what New York City FC has to do now is not only make sure that they keep the politicians in good favor and all of that, but also they got to start taking care of, you know, businesses and schools and things like that. The community in general in Corona, in Jackson Heights, in that whole area. So to be able to push it, they've got to be somebody positive for the area. Right. And not only just looking out for themselves. And so far, that's what they seem to be doing. It's the right thing to do. I'm proud of the fact that we're associated with a team that is doing the right thing. And uh, let's hope that that continues and that the process is able to be pushed over the line. Although we still have to remember that Steve Cohen and the Mets are trying to push themselves into this process because they want to build a casino on parkland that's really parking lots in and around city field but they're losing that game to the area near the uh, nassau coliseum which is favored by new york state to get the casino license so that's where that stands and right now it's uh very favorable for long island and nassau county and the nassau well, coliseum not as favorable at all and, uh, and and losing is substantially Steve Cohen and the Mets. Well, he needs to get better lobbyists, obviously. I mean, that's the... Uh... His so the article itself said that I think he had put in either $1.3 or $1.7 million yeah. in lobbying this year alone. 
That, that, that's not going to cut it. Uh, that's the, not going to cut it because I, am, I don't think that the community really wants that there. And uh, I, I think that they've done a much better job based on, on the article that I read. I think it was in the outfield, actually. Uh, or maybe it was a village voice. It was one of the two. There've been so many articles out here about these things that uh, that Long Island has positioned itself in, in, in much much better. Also, the fact that you know these are licenses. I think there are four that are coming down from New right. York State, and they are able to spread them out more by putting it in Long Island versus Queens because it looks like someone in Manhattan Times Square is going to get one as well. So they, they, there's all of these things going around and yes right. there's politicking and laboring and you know lobbying rather so uh hey, I could lobby. we'll see as long as they don't screw up the new york city uh proposal as it's going through you know and he doesn't try to push himself through and they can keep him away that's fine all right well i'm putting in my formal application to be a lobbyist for city football group and uh, new york city fc about hey i speak two languages so just saying I, that's fine. You can. You yes, and you can be my assistant here. You have assistant lobbyists. Uh, you can be my assistant. <laughs> I've got, oh, really? Hey, I've had to you lobby my assistant. Thank I've had you. to lobby for budgets for years in all different things. I've been, you know, so I think I can. I think I can handle. All right, uh, Alexander Collins. Uh, th this came out. Um, I don't know if it was a surprise. I don't know if you knew any of this, but all nope. of a sudden, Sammy put him up there. He's uh he's going to Greece. There he is in his AEK -E Athens kit. Nice. So he's going with Matias Almeida, who used to be the coach at the San Jose Earthquakes and before that with Chivas. Uh, he'll probably know a couple of the players there because uh, Orbelin Pineda played for the Mexican national team. He's there and so is uh, ex-Miami, uh, uh, Inter-Miami CF player uh, Rodolfo Pizarro who wanted to stay for free in Miami to play next to Messi, and there's it, nah, gone. And he wound up going to AEK in Greece with uh, with Almeida, and uh, so um, they'll be there. They're right now, I think, in like, I don't know, sixth or fifth sixth place. place. The, the Greek season just they've started. They've only played like two. They've three played, games yeah, or two no, games. I looked yeah. it up. They've, they've played two games. They're in sixth place. And Almeida, you forgot uh, he was at River Plate too, wasn't he? Uh, he actually took them from second division to first division, uh, and he is an absolute hero at River Plate. Nice. And I, I tried That's to figure genius. out. I, find, I, I wanted to look back and see if he coached against Collins when, when Alexander was, was at New York City. And you know that, I think it was just one game. I, I came up with September of 2019, and uh, New York City won 2-1 at Yankee Stadium. And you just look back. You, you look back at these things, and they're you always go like, "Oh wow, I, I forgot about that." Keaton Parks scored his first career goal in that game, and and um, Alexandru Mitrovic, uh, uh, Mitrica, not Mitrovic, Mitrica, he scored the game winner, and Wando scored for the Quakes, and uh, Almeida was uh, he was hired by Athens just a month after he was fired by the Quakes. So, you know, he's a guy that was going to get picked up, I guess, uh, no matter what. Oh, for sure. And he had offers in Mexico, and uh, Chivas wanted him back. But I think he wanted a different sort of challenge. So how is this about falling upwards? He goes from Spain, right, playing in one of the top leagues in the world. He goes to Greece, which not one of the top leagues in the world, but, you know, a decent league in, in Europe for sure. 
But now he gets a chance to play Champions League soccer. Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> they won the double last year. <laughs> that is wild. Good for hey, Alex. I'm very happy for him. Maybe even wilder, and we'll close it with this, Roberto. Uh, look, by the time this airs, this match will already be concluded. But Maxime Chinot starting for Luxembourg. Gudmundur Terraritsen on the bench for Iceland. At halftime, uh, as of this recording, Luxembourg is up 1-0. Guess who scored? Guess who scored from the penalty spot? From the penalty spot. Good yes. for Maxime. Maxime awesome. Chinot. Yep. He... Uh, the so, now he's going to be a star in a Hoxio. So there you go. And you put out France's and you second put out division. To, you put out today uh, the kid uh, Lamin Yamal, sixteen years old, the youngest player to ever score for Spain today. Uh, for Barcelona. oh, he actually got a goal. I, I, I had to Spain. come and do this, so yeah. I, I I left he the scored. game and it was like four. It was four one at that. Well, point. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. They won seven to one, and he scored the seventh goal. All right. Yeah. 16 years old. Wait till I tell my son, who's 17. (laughs) I do that too, Roberto. You see all these young, and then you go look at your kid and go like, hey, what were you doing? He's 16 playing for Spain. What the hell are you doing today? (laughs) No, he actually made his team, so I'm very happy. He made uh, environmental uh, studies. He made made his team, so he's wearing number 17. So uh, very happy. I thought it was for my birthday because my birthday is February 17. But no, it turns out that it's for some player in Manchester United. So there. You're putting your birthday out publicly. Is that so? I, now you should say, could please keep the gifts under $50. You know, otherwise I'd be embarrassed. There's, trust me, there's not going to be gifts. There's no, no. I might send you one. I might send you one. Uh, you've had eight years to do that and uh, nothing's ever shown up. Yeah. Except but I always you. know. I always know when your birthday is. Uh, somehow it gets out there. I don't know how, but it gets out there. <laughs> All right, Roberto. Well, uh, when we next, uh, uh, we're adjourning now. But when we next get together, uh, we'll we'll t- spend more time on the Hudson River Derby, and yep. you know some of the things that New York City has to do in order to get into the playoffs. But that's when- it's a massive match for two reasons. One, it's the Derby, but the other is that they're both dying for the points. So it's going to be good. Yeah, the Red Bulls have been pretty bad lately. They got smoked in Philly, and uh, Nealis got got red-carded in that game, so he won't be able to play against New York City FC. And uh, whoever scores the first goal wins. It's it's going to be as simple as that. All right, I'll I'll remember that, Roberto. Well, that's it, man. Hey, uh, have a nice rest of the day. Uh, Thank you for joining us, everybody. For Roberto Abramowitz, I'm Glenn Crooks on NYCFC Views. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast NYCFC Views on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.